The Forum at 8 on SAFM. It's eight minutes past eight, and thank you so much for staying with us throughout the morning here on AM Live on SAFM. And it's time for the forum at eight right now. And governments, businesses, uh, organisations, uh, and civil society all require leadership, and I think we all agree on that. And society needs communities uh, that have visionary leadership contained within them. And leaders shape and guide the development of any sector, uh, parastatal or a nation. And that development can be positive or it can be negative, depending on the leader. On the Forum at 8 this morning, we explore the concept of leadership, but we are venturing beyond simple political figureheads. How can we foster effective leadership on the African continent, where we seem to be so sorely in need at this point in time? And our guest this morning, we are joined in studio by Dr. Danny Srikandaraja, Thank you so much for coming in. Uh, Dr. Danny is, of course, Secretary General of Civicus, uh, World uh, Alliance for Citizen Participation. And um, Civicus, of course, has worked for nearly two decades to strengthen uh, citizen action and civil society throughout the world, especially in areas where participatory um, democracy and citizens' freedom of association is threatened. And Civicus has a vision of a global community of active, engaged citizens committed to the creation of a more just and equitable world and I think that is in the main what also needs to come through and we also have uh, Mr. Mueletsi Mbeki joining us this morning, political economist and deputy chairman of the South African Institute of International Affairs Mr. Mbeki, thank you so much for your time Mr. Mbeki Good morning, Sakina. Can you hear me? I can hear you clearly. Thank you so much. And, um, of course, we will also be joined by Mr. Raymond Parsons, professor at the Northwest University of Business School, and we are just trying uh, to sort out his line at the moment. But uh, let's just continue with the conversation in the meantime. Firstly, do we put too much of an emphasis on the concept of leadership, Mr. Mbeki? Yes, Sakina, I think we put too much uh, emphasis on the concept of leadership. Uh, leadership uh, or is actually a subcategory. The, the main category is power, not leadership. So if you don't understand the concept of power, then you can never uh, you ascribe attributes to leadership that actually do not belong to leadership but belong to power. If I could just say very briefly uh, what power is, power is the capacity to achieve one's outcomes through mobilizing the necessary resources. Now, this sounds very simple. It sounds very straightforward, but that's what power is about. Now, a leader has power, or a leader has more power, less power. Uh, leadership generally we refer to influence, what, uh, what, are, what is called soft power. So when we are referring to leadership, we are referring to an aspect of power uh, which is referred to by soft power. Now, the, the concept of power I'm using here has been developed by a Harvard University professor uh, called uh, Joseph Ney. Uh, if you remember, our young lady, Lindua Masbuko, is going to Harvard and this is one of the people who will be teaching her politics. So, so we 
have to emphasize, our emphasis must be first and foremost power. Do we have the capacity and do we have the resources? And most importantly, what outcome are we trying to achieve? And continue, Mr. Mbeki. So that is how I, where I think the starting point when we are dealing with our problems in Africa should be is what are we, what outcome are we trying to achieve? What resources do we have at our disposal? And can we mobilize or can we mobilize resources to achieve the objectives, the outcomes that we want? And then just looking at that concept of leadership, you know, in relation to power, is it, Dr. Danny, something that comes naturally or is it something that is taught? And this is an age-old question that people always grapple with. Well, in my experience, I think it's a bit of both. I think there are some people who are are naturally prone to take up issues to show leadership, uh, and whereas others, I think, you know, you can very easily learn some of those skills. But I think, you know, you asked about whether we put too much emphasis on leadership. I don't think so. I think we put too much emphasis on particular leaders. We have this sort of false hope that somehow this person is going to come out of the out of thin air and, and lead us to salvation. When I think, you know, of course there were figures like that, Nelson Mandela perhaps becoming, you know, being the, 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 the the best example of that iconic leader who was able to carry a, a nation or a people through a, a struggle. But unfortunately, the world doesn't see many of those sorts of figures very often. And instead, we have to look to each of us to playing leadership roles in, in, in our own worlds. You know, I, I think we're in the era of, of the citizen leader. So if you take Mr. Mbeki's analysis of, of what power means, that, you know, things like mobile telephones, the Internet, social media, connectivity... Allow each of us to play our role in, in, in challenging power. You know, we can mobilize on the streets. We can organize protests. We can question politicians and their behaviors, you know, our elected leaders. And I think that's the sort of the, the emphasis needs to be turned away from individual iconic leaders into a sort of more dispersed democratic notion of leadership. And that's a very interesting notion, you know, this of citizen leaders. And why don't citizens just, you know, see themselves as leaders in their own right? I think they do in many places. And, you know, in my work, I, I have the privilege of, of talking to citizen leaders all around the world. Civicus has members in 120 countries now. And, you know, these are the most passionate, committed, and often knowledgeable people about their areas, whether they're working on children's rights or HIV or, you know, whatever it is that they want to change in the world around them. And the good news for, for people in, in those sort of positions is survey after survey says that people have lost faith in elected leaders. And in fact, the highest levels of trust uh, are actually in in civil society organizations or NGOs, non-governmental organizations. Mm. Earlier this year, it was shown that uh, across the world, NGOs had something like trust levels of 68%, whereas government leaders had 44%. That figure was the lowest here in South Africa. Only 17% of people in this country have trust in their government, lowest of all the countries surveyed in the world earlier this year. But that's also interesting because if there is uh, this trust deficit between citizens and uh, their leaders, uh, why is it that they will continue, for example, to vote for the same leaders that they show so little trust in when surveyed otherwise, Mr Mbeki? Well, again, Sakina, I think we have to distinguish between an individual and an institution. Uh, 
voters, for example, in our recent elections, they voted for parties. They didn't vote for Jacob Zuma or even Helen Ziller or even uh, Malema. They voted for institutions which were political parties because none of these leaders, so-called, uh, actually have a constituency. They didn't stand in front of you or me and say, vote for me because I'm Jacob Zuma. This is what I'm going to do for you in this particular area. So we, we, we have to be very clear. Now, the traditional power resides in what are called elites. It doesn't reside in an individual. It mm. resides in elites which are collectives in our society that have certain given attributes that control resources. That's really what defines the elite is they control certain resources. It can be land resources. It can be finance. It can be education. It can be knowledge. Uh, it can be civil society, as has been pointed out. But, but I agree completely that the citizen today, the individual citizen, is actually very powerful, which is what we are seeing in South Africa. Individual citizens are now going out there, mobilizing their resources. What is their resource? It's the cell phone. What is their resource? It's their numbers. So they are able to mobilize demonstrations all over South Africa at any one time to express their dissatisfaction or to try and achieve the outcomes that they want to achieve. So we're in a, in a, in a very fascinating situation where elites are becoming weaker and the individual citizen is getting stronger. And we are joined on the line now by uh, Mr. Raymond Parsons, um, and he is, of course, professor at uh, Northwest University uh, of Business School. Now, Professor Parsons, thanks for your time this morning. If we look at specific uh, leadership weaknesses on uh, the African continent, what is it about African leaders that always seems to get their citizens, you know, up in a frenzy and complaining about their leadership styles? Well, good morning, uh, and, and thank you for the opportunity of being able to share some thoughts. I have been listening while I've been waiting for the connection to what has been said so far by my two colleagues, and I must say I share a lot of the perceptions that they offer. Just before I comment on the rest of Africa, let me just say that I, I think that the issue of leadership here, rather than the question of, of the leaders, is indeed important. And when you look at the history of leadership, well, when you start to unpack it, I think you find that there isn't any one definition. Certainly, I think that what comes out of leadership is your ability to, in fact, mobilize power. It's not a separate issue. Uh, uh, and if one could put this into a bottle and sell it, we'd all be leaders. So quite clearly, there's an unknown element here where, where certain people have huge insights and have a vision which enables them to mobilize the power they need in order to make a difference. And I think that, that, that really should be our point of departure. And then in regard to citizen leadership, I just want to echo that this resonates very much with our own national development plan, which talks about an active citizenry, which needs to show some strong leadership. So really, it's like the two blades of of a scissors. I'm not always sure which one's doing the cutting, whether it's the top-down leadership or the bottom-up, but quite clearly the emphasis now in the modern world, to the extent that you want a response to, in fact, changing circumstances in a country, the bottom-up element 
also from a technological point of view, with the social media is becoming very important in holding a leadership accountable, whether it's at the highest level or at the lowest level. Now, having said that, I, I think if one looks at, at the rest, uh, if one looks at the rest of Africa against the background of the framework of what kind of leadership you need to unlock the potential of the continent, given the fact that the continent is in fact standing on the cusp of a new era, and in fact the latest figures show that uh, in fact the growth rate in the continent is probably twice that of the developed economies. So there's a big, there's a big catch-up being played here, both from an economic and a social point of view. So for me, you've asked very much the right question. What leadership do you now need to take Africa to the next level? Obviously not exactly the same as you've had in the past. And, and I think it comes back to perhaps what I would sum up as the, as the quality of the democracy in, in the rest of Africa. What kind of, of, of leadership will reflect that? And in particular, the development of, of your civil society, your development of, of the business community, and of labor. I mean, you can't have organized labor leadership and you can't have organized business leadership unless you have a private sector which is dynamic, and if you have, and you must have trade unions. So those are the sorts of pillars on which you need to build the new leadership if you want to unlock the potential that is emerging in this continent. You have to now change the paradigm of leadership as compared with some, some decades ago. And when we talk about changing that paradigm, how do we go about doing that? Because it, it, it sounds, you know, perfect when you speak it, when you say it. But how does it actually happen? How does it come about? Well, if you're asking me that question and speaking as an economist, I'm not saying it's the only power that needs to be unlocked. But obviously when you talk about, when you talk about, the, talk about the economic power of the continent in the various countries, it's not evenly spread, obviously. But as you develop your economy, as the economic dynamics are unblocked, so that also generates the demands for a new kind of leadership. You can't have a civil society unless they have jobs, unless they, they have a livelihood. Uh, and so what you want to say in the future is you're not leaving the future of the continent only to the politicians and the bureaucrats. You are encouraging a balance of forces which encourages the civil society. And once again, I think we put on the spectacles of our own national development plan from a conceptual point of view. You will see that what the continent needs is a stronger civil society to hold its politicians to account, to change the nature of those politicians because uh, they, you know, one generation of leadership may not serve well in the next generation of challenges. So it's quite clear... That, that as a point of departure, and I want to emphasize, as a point of departure, strong, strong economic development and the civil society that, that must build on it is where you look for an important part of the new generation of leadership for the continent. 
And uh, we are, of course, talking about leadership on the African continent uh, this morning. And how do we foster effective leadership on the continent is the question that we are asking more pertinently. 891 is the number to dial. You can SMS us on 34701, tweet or Facebook, AM Live on SAFM. And this morning we are speaking to uh, Dr. Danny uh, Raja as well as uh, Mr. Moeletsi Mbeki and Professor Raymond. Parsons. So we'd love to hear your views on this as well. But just coming back uh, to uh, what Professor Parsons was saying, uh, Mr. Mbeki, economic development, unlocking those opportunities that will come about as a result of that. Now, we seem to know this because we are very good at diagnosing what our problems are. But where is the leadership and why hasn't it emerged as yet to actually take us to this promised land? Well, the, uh, Sakina, I think the, one of the major, major shortcomings, and Raymond uh, ref, uh, referred to this, that we need a, a new paradigm in Africa uh, from the old paradigm. Now, if we look at uh, South Africa, let's not go too, too far all over the continent. If we look at South Africa, one of the biggest challenges that South Africa faced in the 20th century was how to create democracy. And the people who solved this, who I call the, father, the founding fathers of South Africa's democracy, you can identify very, very, very easily Oliver Tambo, Walter Susulu, Nelson Mandela. They were the primary uh, founding fathers of democracy in South Africa. But what did they do in order to do this? They identified what resources they needed in order to achieve democracy. And very briefly, they identified essentially two primary resources. The primary resources was the urban black population. They had to mobilize that population. That was the resource they needed, and they succeeded. And they retained monopoly of control of the opinions of that uh, constituency. The second one was support from the Western countries to support uh, sanctions, to, to, to support the democratization of, of South Africa against the apartheid policies and so on. And the, there again they succeeded, most especially by going to uh, Western citizens, in particular to the United States Congress, to African Americans, to students, and they got the sanctions. So that's what made democratization of South Africa a success. The leaders were able to mobilize, to identify the resources they needed, and they identified them correctly. And they were able to mobilize those resources to achieve the outcome they wanted, which was democracy. Now, if you move fast forward to post-democratic, post-liberation Africa and and South Africa, the people who are in power, uh, who are in power, let's say, in government, have not identified the real resources that you need to mobilize, or if they have identified them, they have no capacity to mobilize them. And that's what's at the crux of our problem in Africa. And that, that capacity is something that we also need to unpack. But uh, we have callers on the line, and I just want to take a few uh, before uh, we come back to our panel. Yachi in Cape Town, good morning. Uh, morning, Sakina, and morning to your guests. What I want to say is that the 
You know, we need extraordinary leadership today, in, not only in South Africa and Africa, but in the world, because of the particularly unusual challenges that face the, 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 the globe today, and that is the, the tipping points of resource depletion in the end of the era of cheap oil, in the you know, tipping point of climate change, and uh, you know, the global financial crisis. We need extraordinary leadership. We cannot operate according to the old paradigm. It's no longer worth. Life has changed. The world has changed. Growth as we knew it cannot continue forever. And we need a monetary reform, banking reform, uh, all kinds of changes which were not being addressed honestly by leadership, especially in the economic world, in the economic sphere. And, uh, you know, this uh, uh, debate is now hitting the mainstream in Europe, in, in, in the UK, where they're talking about, you know, putting an end to fractional reserve banking and all those issues which are not yet being addressed uh, in, in Africa mm-hmm. and South Africa. Okay, thank you so much, Yanji. But then, of course, part of our problem is that Africa is so heavily dependent on aid uh, from the West and, of course, the East as well uh, these days. So how do these African leaders then, you know, get to a point where they are able to assert themselves, uh, Dr. Danny? Well, I think that the aid f- uh, paradigm is changing very quickly, that as we see the rapid economic growth and as the West runs out of money, Africa will stand on its own two feet. And we do need a new generation of leaders, or more importantly, a sort of paradigm shift in leadership. And I think there are two key ingredients. One is, just as the caller said, the shifting of the sort of time frame that motivates leaders. You know, far too often we see political leaders only motivated by each election. They'll want to survive and get re-elected. They're not thinking about the long-term strategy to create national development or, you know, sustainability. Business leaders are the same. They think about the next shareholders meeting and how to make sure they survive and, and demonstrate. They're not talking about sustainability enough and addressing climate change. So we need the time horizon for leaders to change. And the second thing which is going to be essential is accountability. On this continent in particular where the reputation of our political leaders has been about that they're corrupt, we need people to be able to hold those leaders to account so that they can't get away with uh, not delivering on their promises or, or, or stealing resources from the state. How can we foster effective leadership on the African continent is what we are asking on the forum at 8 this morning. And, of course, the lines will remain open 891 SMS, uh, you, uh, you can send your SMSs to 34701. And uh, we'll continue with this conversation. But it is 8.30 now and time for news headlines with Vibakshni Chetty. Thank you, S49, and time to find out what's coming up on Morning Talk. Good morning, Rowena Bird. Good morning, Sakina. Uh, coming up on Morning Talk today, the first half of the show is going to be this uh, month's Transformation Dialogues. It's a thought-provoking and action-driven panel discussion, and today the topic is um, on a decade of transforming the financial services sector. Our guests are going to unpack that in the first half of the show, so that's from 9 until 10.30. And thereafter, we'll talk to an employee of Metro bus. Uh, This is the Johannesburg Metropolitan Bus Service. He has a gripe with his employer and despite numerous efforts to have these addressed uh, through the relevant channels at Metrobus, he's been unsuccessful and has therefore decided to resort to the media. So we're we're going to have both him as well as somebody who represents Metrobus uh, for that discussion. And in the final hour of the program today, we will talk about the Flip Flop Friday Winter Movement Campaign by SAFM. It's an initiative that seeks to benefit children who come 
from poor families and uh, who walk to school barefoot because they do not have shoes. So we'll have more on that after the health news update. And that's the show for today. Thank you, Sakina. At Disinclovery and Sidhu Media Attorneys know that running a company isn't always easy. The New Companies Act has changed the playing field, and it helps to have a professional in your corner, empowering you to make the right decisions. For any corporate or commercial legal requirements, call us on 011-268-5225. MNS Attorneys, legal expertise in your corner. If you have a world-class product that you believe can compete with the best globally, the Department of Trade and Industry invites you to participate in various international exhibitions and trade shows to promote locally made products. If you qualify, you will be assisted with air travel, a daily subsistence allowance, freight forwarding of display material, exhibition space and booth rental costs. Call 0861-843-384 or visit the dti.gov.za for details. The DTI, empowering industries and broadening economic participation. The Forum at 8 on SAFM. Thank you for staying with us here on uh, SAFM on AM Live. And this is the Forum at 8. And this morning we are asking, how can we foster effective leadership on the African continent? And we're not uh, talking solely about political figureheads. We're also talking about citizen leaders, as uh, Dr. Danny was pointing out. And, of course, unlocking opportunities uh, in the economic sphere so as to enable us to move forward as a continent. And our guest this morning, Dr. Danny uh, Srikandaraja, we also have Mr. Mouletti Mbeki, as well as Professor Raymond Parsons. Now, we uh, took a call from Raji before the break, but I just want to throw this in as well um, for our panel. Uh, SMSs uh, from uh, Wendy in uh, rather uh, from uh, Sajini. Sajini says, Africa will never, ever have good and honest leaders. The only thing they think of is how to corrupt their countries. There's absolutely no leadership. And another one here, unsigned, says um, leadership is a problem. This morning we woke up in a suburb of White River in Pumalanga with no water and no notice was given to alert the community. We need true leaders to curb this sort of thing. So, you know, just some of the comments coming from our listeners as well. Professor Parsons, if you'd like to weigh in. And we don't think uh, Prof Parsons. Oh, we have him back now. Yes. Look, I, I think my impression is the common thread running through all these inputs is really as follows. The first is the ideal world Good government is, in fact, dull government. So when you catalogue what you think is wrong, that is precisely where you measure the quality of the leadership's response. You say, well, someone will step forward in the light of these challenges and show whether they can make a difference, whether it's in politics or in economics or or in civil society. And I, I think that that... That is, it, it, it's that shifting paradigm that throws out the new challenges. And in some societies, there is a response, and they succeed by triumphing over those challenges. And that is where many of the great leaders uh, have come from in, you know, in the past, including in South Africa, the response to apartheid and making sure that it was brought to an end. Now, not everything is at that very dramatic level, but nonetheless, the principle is there. The third point is this issue of long-terminism, 
once again, one of the merits of our own national development plan is it says to the public and the private sector, if you want to tackle these problems of unemployment, poverty, and inequality, you better think long-term, as far ahead as 2030 and even beyond, and you've got to respond to those challenges. And I think that's, that's the important part of the accountability. It's no good wringing your hands about the problems if you're not going to hold people accountable. Nothing concentrates the mind better than having the power to hold the leadership at whatever level accountable. And if they are not, they are not delivering, then you must react accordingly. So I think the important point here is, yes, the bigger the challenges, the greater the response you expect from either the existing leadership or a new leadership. And that is what determines the quality of your democracy and the extent to which you can unlock your own economic potential. So in other words, good citizens will make good leaders because if the citizens are able to hold those leaders accountable, then the leaders would, of course, have to uh, up their game in terms of delivering uh, to the citizens, Mr. Mbeki. Um, well, Sakina, I'm not very keen on this no- notion of uh, leaders delivering to to the people. I, I think uh, this is one of the, the mistakes that we make as especially in South Africa, where we, uh, especially the, the, the parties, the political parties, they see the people as being passive, as being recipient of largesse from political parties. The reality is that if you really want economic development, which they claim to want, it, you have to incapacitate the people in order or empower the people in order that they can provide for the services that they need. I buy, I provide for my electricity, I pay for it. I provide for my rent, I pay for it. I provide for my transport, I pay for my car. So, but I have been capacitated and empowered to be able to do that. That was the role of the leader. In, the, in my case, my leader was Oliver Tambo in Edvile. So he provided uh, me with, with this um, empowerment. So I think it is, it's a fallacy to think that the government or the, somebody else is going to provide for the people and deliver for them. We have to, in a way, a good leader, if I can put it that way, is the one who encourages the people to find ways to, uh, to capacitate themselves, to deliver for themselves, and if he goes or she goes one step further and helps to, to provide the wherewithal, that, then to me that is that should be the message in Africa. Not that we need good leaders, but that the people of Africa must be capacitated. And we are taking your calls. Uh, Dr. Danny, you wanted to say yeah. something quickly? I mean, the, what Mr. Mbeki says reminds me of that saying that we get the leaders we deserve. And, you know, there is something to that, that, you know, we can't all just be passive and complain all the time that our leaders are corrupt or they're not delivering. You know, we have to get active. We have to challenge them. We have to hold them to account. If, if there's only one party to choose from, get active in the political party to make sure that there's internal democracy within the, that sort of political organism. And so, you know, I think that's the key to, to Africa's leadership on the global stage. You know, this is a continent that's not just going to drive economic growth, but I'm confident needs to drive political 
political leadership, a new generation of leaders who aren't just you know, seen to be corrupt, but are showing a new form of accountable leadership. Let's go back to the lines, 0891-104-208. Haley and Joba, good morning. Hi, good morning, ma'am, and to you, Justin, to your listeners. We have a great leadership crisis in our continent in Africa. What makes me upset every single time, the resource management never been in Africa. Our resources are highly exploited from west to south and east, east to west and the north to south all the corners. Because what is happening, we don't have a proper natural resource management because of, uh, mostly you can see, the Western exploiting our resource. I'm not disputing whoever, but you know, all the developed countries, even they create the globalization. Finally, they know their side of the resources last and they already extinct. The only continent Africa is rich with the resource. So they make the way how to enter through globalization to exploit our resource. I'm not quite sure how many African leaders are aware of that to protect our continent and our resource. What I want to say, look at the pound, dollar, euro. Their money is very strong. We have a diamond and a gold. Everything of our money is rubbish like a pepper. It is intentionally designed to exploit our resource. The other one is we have lack of technology in our continent. We don't invest in technology sectors to control the African resource, everything in Africa, the potential and the powerful human resource. Excuse me? We are listening. Are you with me? Yes, are you yes. we are. Sorry, man. Let me repeat. You see, we have a very potential resource. Human resource is vital. Our human resource is highly exploited. So our leaders only enrich themselves they are not outreaching our people. So what we need to do, we need a brilliant leaders to stand for the safety and the security of the continent. Our safety and the security is very highly invaded. So that means we always call on the UN, why do we cannot strengthen AU to have a strong potential to control the resource of the continent and mm. to control our people to strengthen. We have a war everywhere. Where is the war in Africa, as you see? Where the diamond? Where the gold? Where is the, where is the precious resource is there? There's a war. This war is highly sponsored by the West, and the, there's a power which you know. I don't even want to mention okay. their name. All right. Thank you very much, ma'am. Thank, Thank you so much, Haley. And Gift in Port Elizabeth, good morning. Good morning, Sagina, and good morning to your guests. Look, I think, Sagina, let me start by saying that uh, if you remember, and, uh, and I'm sure your guests will recall, that there was no African head of state who has left office in the last three years and achieved excellent leadership, was in the worthy of the Moe Brain Prize in 2013. And the question is, is this a sign that Africa is failing? And to me, that was a question that was often repeated when the same Moe Brain Foundation announced Another dismal year for its annual leadership prize in London last year. But I kept thinking that if such a prize were offered in Europe or the Americans or even Asia, there would be no definite winner either. Was the question that Europe, the U.S. or Asia has failed right there? To me, I think the fact that the prize has been awarded three times in the last six years is an achievement in a world facing a very global deficit of leadership. 
but also forgiveness. I think the question again, do we have leaders who think not just about the next election, but about the next generation? And to me, I think the world is hungry for visionary leadership and in action, leadership that personifies integrity, honesty, and service to the people in the lives of the most marginalized. They see a clear omission that it is a sadness, it, it, in fact, it is a sadness that pervades the world. And to me, in slums, villages, in schools, in places, and in community halls, every day we wait, we wait because we yearn for that leadership that could leave the values of Nelson Mandela every day, leaders who are characterized by the absence of political arrogance. And to me, Africa, finally, needs a visionary leadership. It means being armed with a strange, with a strategy, and a plan with performance driven transference. It means it needs a leadership making tough decisions to fire incompetent and corrupt officials and Thank you so much, Gift. Buisile, also in Port Elizabeth. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Well, and you? I'm all right, no problem. Sakina, I'm interested about two things. The first one is the presence of Mbegi in your, in your panel. Secondly, about the topic called leadership. Specifically, I'm an international poet. I've written about leadership in my poetry. Uh, Sakina? Yes. The first thing I want to tell you is that Africa has a problem of having no leaders. In Africa, there are only power-hungry maniacs. You remember, the argument was a mentally retarded serial killer. I'm going to tell you about true great leaders. Firstly, leaders are people, they was talking the truth when said that, they put other people who empowered and rich their followers, not only to 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 raise to 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 one power. There are four. There are four great leaders. I can tell you now. Mm-hmm. The first one was uh, Margaret Thatcher. Those people that they don't like her. Margaret Thatcher took over when the unions were making uh, havoc in England. He cut the, the power of the union, and he raised the economy of England. The second one is uh, uh, Ho Chi Minh. Ho Chi Minh was the guy who dared to challenge America, the, the, leader, the leader of, of, of Vietnam. The other one is Ronald Reagan. I know people do not like Ronald Reagan, but to me he was a great leader in the, the fall of the Berlin Wall. Another thing, I'm sorry what I'm going to say is that most people in the world and in South Africa Say our, our 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 father was a great leader, Mandela. Um, no, no. A leader is a man who is not afraid. Is a man who speaks with his. Are you with me? We listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a leader is a man of his word. In in Revolution trial, uh, Mandela said that I fought against black domination. I fought against white domination. Actually, he did not fight against black domination. In fact, he opened a gate of thugs, a gate of resisting of same-sex marriage. Lots of things, lots of things happened in South Africa because he was afraid of the Africaners. And secondly, he did not fight against black domination. That's in that list. There were thugs who were chasing away people. They had guns. In fact, they unleashed all the wrong things, even, even Zuma, now Zuma is in power, but Zuma, he's supposed to go to court to answer for, for, for his crimes, and then this guy, I think, it's because the first man 
And of course, uh, we'll uh, get some responses to that and also read some of the SMSs that you have sent us on 34701. Tonight on Top Billing. Join me, Joanne Strauss, as I chat to Raleen Strauss about life as in South Africa. And no, we're not related, only by a sense. Comedian Nick Rabinovitz pulls no punches. A Pretoria family decide the trees were here first, so they built around them. Ross Jack and Chiano Sky share their inspiration. And you can get in the running to win a 70,000 Rand TV. That's Top Billing, tonight at 8.30 on SABC3. A saxophone, just an ordinary instrument, but in the hands of a master, it can do the extraordinary. It can pick up on the mood of the musician and the mood of the audience. To create something so unique, it can only be called jazz. Move the music your way at the Standard Bank Joy of Jazz, 25 to 27 September, Santon Convention Center. Book at CompuTicket. Standard Bank Joy of Jazz. Own the joy. Standard Bank. Moving forward. The Forum at 8 on SAFM. Thanks for staying with us on the Forum at 8. And we are interrogating how we can foster effective leadership on the African continent with our guest this morning, Dr. Danny, uh, Professor Parsons, as well as Mr. Mwelezi Mbeki. Now, um, bold leadership, as um, Mr. Mbeki was speaking about earlier, it came through in various other forms uh, uh, in our interaction with the listeners there. Now, the final listener there, um, uh, Buisile, our final caller there, he was talking about leaders being power-hungry ogres. But if we then go back to what Danny was saying about us deserving the leaders that we get, how is it that we choose these leaders? How do we end up with these power-hungry ogres, uh, Professor Parsons? I think a lot has to do with, with the nature of your political system, uh, some people think that a proportional voting system tends to encourage too much centralization at the top uh, uh, in terms of who gets the power and how accountable they are, uh, as opposed to when you might have your local member of parliament who you could walk down the road or drive down the road and then hold accountable. I think what's important here, when we look at the quality of democracy, whether in South Africa or in the rest of the continent, I think on the panel here this morning there seems to be a common view that with this, this qualification, we don't have a clean slate to write on, and we mustn't pretend we do. Of course, I think in terms of what we want in South Africa and what we'd like to see happen in the rest of the continent, we want the average citizen to be empowered to be less of a supplicant and more of a volunteer to make a difference to his future. 
that's, that's, I think, the message that's coming through, uh, not only here, but in, you know, indeed elsewhere. But the point is that there are centers of power which are there under the present system. The next best thing is to hold them accountable, to step up the accountability and to say, well, we are going to hold you very strongly, very strongly accountable in ways you've not been held accountable in the past because there are new challenges that are not being met. And we expect you either to step up to the plate or step aside and be replaced by someone else. And your political system has to be responsive to that because these other pressures are setting those demands for the country. And if the country's performance in particular is, befo- is falling below its potential, then those questions arise and who is in power must be held, must be held accountable and you must step up your own sphere of influence as a citizen so that the balance of power with them is changed and changed in a way that will make for much better decision-making and much better accountability. That's the world we live in, but that's the challenge that this world is now presenting to us, whether in South Africa or on the continent. And then, um, Mr. Mbeki, uh, Gift was talking about a dearth of leadership excellence across uh, the world, and he says we lack visionary leaders. Well, uh, I think, uh, Sakina, one of the difficulties is that we are still caught in the role of the individual in changing Africa, in the role of, uh, of certain individuals. But to change Africa, the, we, Africa, like any society, is dominated by institutions. Now, the issue, we haven't even begun talking about the institutions that lead to corruption, the institutions that lead to the pillage of Africa's resources that have been mentioned by the callers. So the, the question of the visionary leader has to operate within a certain context, and the context are the institutions that, that we have. If we look at South Africa, for example, our, our politicians are not accountable because our institution of election doesn't allow constituents, i.e. me as an individual, I cannot vote for my president, uh, and he can't stand as an individual for me to vote for him or, or for her. So there is that aspect that we really have to come back on some other day, mm. obviously. But I was very interested in the, in the heroes of, of Mr. Vuisile, uh, Margaret Thatcher, Ho Chi Minh, Reagan, and he seemed to have lots of... Yeah, who do you think Mandela. are excellent leaders? Pardon? Who do you think are excellent leaders? Well, I was just going to say that I was in demonstrations against Margaret Thatcher for her policies when, she, when I lived in the United Kingdom. However, I do recognize that Margaret Thatcher played a very important role in getting FW declared to negotiate for the end of, of apartheid. So it shows that actually when you are evaluating a leader like Margaret Thatcher, or you, you have to see all sides of, of, of her role. Um, she tried to destroy or destroy the Mine Workers Union in, in, in England, and I was involved in demonstrating against her doing that. But I think I admire her pointing out to F.W. de Klerk that continuing with apartheid and thinking that 
uh, they can defend apartheid with force will never will never work. Ho Chi Minh, yeah, well, Ho Chi Minh was to me is a great leader. He mobilized his people to stand up against the French, against the Japanese, against the Americans, and Vietnam today is, is, a, is a truly independent country, although they now have problems with China. Reagan, again, Reagan was the person who, who voted against sanctions forced uh, by Congress. In fact, he vetoed Congress having sanctions against, against South Africa. So he may be a hero to, uh, to, to the poets, but, but he was you know, an anti-hero to me. Mm. So th- these, are, these are really interesting perspectives. Danny? Uh, well, you know, this continent is not short of visionary leaders in the past. Nkrumah, Kenyatta, Nairere, Mugabe, Mandela. But all of them had one thing in common, which is that they fought against something, colonialism and oppression. And it was easier in their era to, to become iconic leaders that took people to the promised land. Today, in the post-liberation context, we have individuals, but more importantly, as, as uh, Mr. Mbeki says, we have institutions, political parties that have led the post-liberation movement. And our research at Civica suggests that the real worry is that many of these parties and regimes are not letting go, that they're not creating the space for democratic deepening, for citizens to be active, for civil society to be free. And we see it with Museveni, with Mugabe, with Kagame, that they're restricting the, the sort of the next phase of, of, you know, of empowering people, of empowering the citizen leaders that we need. And I think that is the African challenge for the years to come. And uh, that, of course, is where we have to leave it, unfortunately, this morning. And uh, we will, of course, have ongoing discussions about these things. It is 9 o'clock and it is time for News Headlines with Vibhakshni Chetty.